Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. And joining me once again, and for the first time this season, is my husband, Eric. Hey, Eric. Hello. How are we doing tonight? Good. I'm Good. excited to record this episode with you. Me too. Yeah. Well, you know, the podcast originally started with having people come on to share pretty difficult stories and how they learned to fight for joy in the middle of difficult circumstances. Um, but lately, the last couple of years, I've enjoyed interspersing some other less heavy episodes, um, i.e. the menopause episode from last right, season, right? <laughs> which I uh, continue to get a lot of feedback about still. But today we have another one of these for you guys. It's fighting for joy through hospitality. And although there are many aspects of hospitality that can feel more lighthearted and kind of a fun way to fight for joy. I'm hoping that as we talk through the deeper spiritual calling to hospitality, especially as Christians, that you'll be encouraged to work to implement more hospitable practices into the regular rhythm of your life. Um, For us, uh, as a couple and as a family, hospitality has been a way for us to fight for joy, to find joy, um, to share the joy that the Lord has given us in different seasons of life with others. So I'm excited to to have this conversation. Yeah, good. Yeah. Me too. Well, first I thought it would be good to maybe define hospitality because I think it might mean different things to different people based on their upbringing or their faith or their experience. But throughout scripture, it seems that the focus of hospitality is welcoming visitors and strangers, and it's based on the idea of providing a safe place for somebody to land, almost a home away from home, being generous with resources, sharing our home, our food, and our time. Um, The word hospital has the same root word in it, focusing on providing care and attention and meeting people's needs. Um, But in our culture now, I think the idea of hospitality is often limited to either, you know, the professional hospitality industry of food and beverage and travel and tourism, or a different kind of hosting centered more around just entertaining. You know, if you feel gifted at throwing parties or hosting events or having friends come stay for the weekend. Um, But I think hospitality and entertaining can definitely be intertwined and they do fit well together. And really, that's probably going to be a lot of what we talk through today. And towards the end of the episode, I will get to some practical ideas and tips for making entertaining easier. But the heart behind actual hospitality, the why behind it really is crucial in order to understand the importance of it and know why we should all work to be better at it and why it can be such a source of joy. So Eric, as we just kind of kick off, as you hear that uh, little simple definition that I just shared, what are some of your thoughts about hospitality maybe in general as we get started and then maybe about the biblical view of hospitality and why we should all want to implement this more into our lives, especially as Christians? Yeah, they, I've got lots of thoughts on this. I love doing this with you. Um, I think hospitality is about making people feel welcome mm-hmm. in a place. Yeah, yeah. And that they belong in that place, that the focus is on them, that um, there's relationships being forged and conversations happening. And, you know, oftentimes we think about it that it has to be done around the table. It's a great place to have it done. Uh, It doesn't always have to just be that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think at the bank, we've 
had a good time the last number of years kind of wrestling through as a team what are ways in which we want to lead well. And when you think about the 102 branches and we spent a lot of time with the branch managers, um, we all kind of built together these 12 characteristics of what it means to lead well. And one of the ones that we landed on is that leaders, we like to follow our hospitable and humor. Hmm. And so I think there's an aspect of whether you're welcoming people into the branch or whether you're having a meeting um, and certainly at your home, there's an aspect of being able to even use humor, not for the point of you trying to be the funniest person in the room, but to really calm people down mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and to get them to uh, relax and to get them to feel like they belong in this place um, and, and take it from there to, to go through things to dialogue with, things to ask them questions on, things to open up um, and to, uh, you know, listen to them well on. And so that, those are a couple of thoughts that come uh, to mind as we think about hospitality is about welcoming people in a place. Mm -hmm. And I love that um, idea of through humor as well. Um, just the idea of putting people at ease, um, you know, and yeah, you don't feel welcomed in a place where everybody's uptight. And so it is, it's good to find ways to put people at ease and humor is a great one um, for that. It was interesting because we knew we were going to be recording this episode. And um, when we were in Chattanooga visiting Will and Justine this past weekend, their pastor had um, the sermon on hospitality. So that was kind of I fun. I know. We were jotting down um, notes left like, and right. Oh, Eric, we're like, Eric, hey, we have notes, notes already on this. Let's do this. <laughs> um, but I love <laughs> that he pointed us to John 14, 13, um, where it's talking about Jesus saying that he's going to prepare a place for us. And that is what you were just talking about. You know, we're following in the example of what Christ has done for us in making a place for us and um, drawing us in, um, extending a welcome and uh, caring for our broken souls in such a way that, that we have um, just beautiful restoration ahead with him and um, the way that he has gone to prepare that place for us to be with him. And, um, you know, as we think about hospitality and preparing, I mean, preparation is so yeah. key for me in, in hospitality. So when he, when he's, when he brought that up and connected the dots there, it was like a light bulb going on for me because preparation really is so helpful and key for me in, in wanting to have people over and then putting them at ease and making them feel welcomed. Yeah. I, I like the way that he, just kind of stopped the uh, sermon and just said, let's just define in one sentence what hospitality is. And he landed that hospitality is sacrificial accommodation with others in mind. Mm -hmm. And I love so the good. others in mind part. I love the uh, sacrificial piece. Um, I love the accommodation piece. Again, mm -hmm. that's, you know, going back to humor about making them feel comfortable in this place. Um, and the flip side of that is that hospitality is not just about me. It's not with me in mind. It's not to make me feel better. Um, it, it There's this communal kind of relational aspect to it um, that's others uh, focused. For sure. For sure. And I love the emphasis too on relationship and um, being intentional about what is going to be transpiring during your time together. It isn't about the people hosting 
having everything about them and their home and their food and their preparations. It's with the with the guests in mind and um, putting the focus on them. Yeah, I I think that um, one of the things that we've been talking about as a group of guys, as a group of guys that uh, get together at our house Wednesday night, sometimes it's at other houses, but uh, it's been a really rich time. We've been reading through the first five books of the Bible mm-hmm. and we've been talking through them doing some notes on it. Um, and it's been, it's been really rich Wednesday nights to have them show up and, um, be able to talk through these things. And one of the things it's, you know, this verse jumped out this past week when we were talking through this Leviticus 1346, um, lots of details about the law, lots of details about it, about what it meant to live as God's covenant people together in, community in the Old Testament. And there's a interesting passage on leprosy, <laughs> which uh, it just basically says, if you have leprosy and the skin disease, you shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Um, and so that was, that was, uh, there was no hospitality. If that's what you had, there was no community. If that's what you had. And you know, you talked about Christ coming to prepare a place for us. One of the first things that we see him do when he comes on the scene is in Mark chapter one, he heals people. And one of the people that he heals is a leper whose skin and nerves and everything are a mess. And instead of him being out of community all by himself, Jesus seeks him out and actually touches him. Mm. Um, And it says in verse 42, uh, or in verse 40, the leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And then it says, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and Christ touched him and said to him, I will, so be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean um, he was made clean by Christ touching him, by Christ seeking him out, by Christ restoring him into fellowship of what was once kicked out of community. Um, and he's got this place for him, and he does it through physical relationship. Hmm. Um, and he he brings that type of healing. And I think it's also a really good picture of what happens to us you know, spiritually. Um, we are separate from God. We don't have a place. We're isolated we're isolated from one another, and here's here's Christ um, coming to bring restoration to that. It's a spiritual representation now and a physical representation, too, mm-hmm. of what it will be like um, to be with him one day like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the meantime, we have this beautiful picture that we can that we can show when we have that kind of same hospitality as overflow to others. Yeah. That's good. Thanks, babe. And that is that is the radical, true biblical hospitality. And yeah. um, so I think that's a good tie into kind of the first aspect of hospitality that I wanted to talk about, which is um, the blessing of having others love on you when you are in grief, when you mm. are struggling, when you are today's version of a leper, right? Yeah, You're right. kind of on the outside of community for whatever reason, um, it takes a lot of courage for people to 
uh, welcome you in and to draw near to you. And, you know, I wanted to do this conversation with you because as a couple, you know, and as a family, I just feel like we have been able to experience the blessing of have, having others love on us um, through hospitality. And together, I feel like we've learned a lot about how to be that blessing to others and how to make our our homes, our family and our lives open um, to caring for and loving on and welcoming others. Um, but yeah, kind of just wanting to talk through the huge blessing that hospitality is to hurting people. Um, you know, when someone welcomes you in and finds sweet ways to care for you when you are broken, it is so meaningful and grief is very lonely. And a lot of people do pull away or kind of keep their distance, understandably so. Uh, but when somebody has the courage to invite you in and to provide a safe place to land for a little bit, it is so special. And I thought we could just talk through a couple examples. Yeah. You know, one of the best examples I can think of is when uh, you had uh, someone at the bank reach out just a month or so after Jackson died. And uh, he asked us to go sailboating sail boating with his family. Yeah. And then they had us over to dinner at their house and had the kids go play tennis down the street while the four of us sat and cried and talked at their counter. And, you know, I just, I do not remember much about that day at all, but I remember that they did it. You know, I just remember being so shocked that they would open themselves up to our grief and welcome our family in, hurt and all. And as a mom, I was so blessed to see my kids smile and enjoy the lake and a good meal made by somebody else. And, you know, it just, it kind of just buoyed us up to be able to face another day of grief. Yeah, I can still remember where I was um, the first time I was back at the bank and had the conversation with Jerry O'Flanagan, who's run uh, credit cards for the bank for years. I literally passed him in the hallway between the main bank building and the tower. And it was the first time I had seen him being back at the bank after everything with Jackson and he was talking to somebody else and he just stopped dead in his tracks and he wanted to have a conversation with me right there. And he Mm -hmm. said, you know, you know, we need to get together. Um, do you think, do you think Jody and and the kids would want to come over? Um, we got a sailboat, you know, this is, this is weird. You guys just need to come and (laughs) you guys need to come and spend some time Mm -hmm. with us. And I'll never forget, um, he followed through on that. It wasn't just a in passing. Oh no, I see this guy who's in deep grief. I want to disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, he followed up on it and put it on the counter. I remember driving in the car and Turner is making um, fun videos with iMovie in the on the way, in the back, and he's capturing footage while we're on the sailboat. And he's putting together a really fun video mm-hmm. of just them getting out. Yeah. Um, and being there. And then I can, I can still remember just going back to their house afterwards and, um, watching Katie fix dinner, uh, get dinner wrapped up, being in the kitchen, drinking wine together. And, and it, it wasn't like Jerry was trying to come with some silver bullet and provide healing. He provided, provided a place for us to come and belong and be welcomed yeah. And to be listened to, um, he, he, he didn't have a dissertation of five things that's going to make the pain better. <laughs> he, right. he just, that was hosp- hospitality in a great sense. And then we went out in their backyard and they brought out dinner and our kids were there and they entered into the conversation further. And it was just, 
Um, it was just a really special night. It was one of those over-the-top nights of that's hospitality to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even mean to do that and didn't even mean to set some record. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he just opened up his home. He followed through. He had us over. He just brought us into their lives, and he just listened to us, and he just was there providing a place. Um, lots of great food, lots of great time together, really good wine. And I, I just, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that, that was a really special part to understand. You know, hospitality is more than just having people in your home and food. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think another example is um, our friends, the Mollendorfs, when they offered us their vacation home uh, for a weekend. And so that's another <laughs> way to, yeah. to, to show hospitality. I mean, we weren't with them, but they were hospitable in preparing this cabin for our family, getting everything prepared and done ahead of time so that we could just show up and have a few days away from town as a family to, you know, reconnect and cry and process and sleep and start to laugh again. And it was just such a generous gesture and, you know, a way that they showed great hospitality and they weren't even there. So I think part of why I wanted to have this conversation is just to think outside of the box. There's so many ways to be hospitable, um, you know, those are two completely different examples. And both times we felt so welcomed and cared for and loved on. I think other examples, you know, have to do with simpler things like when we would show up somewhere, you know, again, kind of the scary grieving family all of a sudden (laughs) makes their appearance and somebody would scooch over and just make room and say, come sit by us. You know, I mean, that's such a little gesture, but a way to show hospitality to somebody um, or offer to drive with us somewhere so we wouldn't have to show up alone or go to something alone. So um, yeah, I just think there are many ways that you can be thinking about hospitality in specific regard to the hurting and what a gift, a huge gift that hospitality can be to someone in a really um, tough place. And I think if you're wondering how to get started with that, start, you know, start with the hurting, look for people who you can bless, not the people that you feel like you need to impress. You know, you're not, if you're not opening up your home or your time or your lives much to people right now, don't feel like you have to work on an Instagram type dinner party or a (laughs) themed night or something. I mean, think about someone in your community, somebody in your circle who could use a good meal or who would be so blessed to just sit around your table and be listened to. I think that's a great place to start. And yes, you will bless them, but you will be blessed too. And you will experience the joy of providing that hospitality. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's spot on. First Peter four says above all, keep loving one another earnestly sense or because love covers a multitude of sins. Um, hospitality is messy. Uh, it's about loving one another earnestly. The next verse goes on to say, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So there are, you know, there are things that can steal our joy and take away, uh, opening up our homes and our lives into people, um, because it's messy, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's hard, uh, because, like you just said, you, you know, you're oftentimes reaching out um, to those that don't have a place, that those that don't have a voice, that are not being listened to, 
And that's exactly what you're doing. You're, pre you're preparing and providing a place um, for them to be on stage, for them to listen, to be heard. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you can easily walk away from a night like that grumbling and just be like, what in the world? Um, but if it's, if it's true that, that love covers a multitude of sins and we're, we're called to urge and to, and to love one another, to keep loving one another earnestly and showing hospitality to one another, I think, uh, I think there's a lot there that, you know, mm -hmm. the apostle Peter wants us to be thinking through as we're thinking of relationships and making people welcome and feeling welcome in uh, space and time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have talked many times about the quote that just says, um, people shouldn't leave your home feeling more impressed by you. They should leave feeling better about themselves. And I think that's I what, that quote. what you're getting at. Like if you're grumbling about yes. it, I think it's because you're focused on yourself yeah. and you're trying, you're striving for, for perfection. You're, you're, you know, making the things that really don't matter be the, the, ma the things that you're trying to make matter, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think keeping the, the focus on, um, the other person on the people that you are welcoming in is always going to be where the joy is. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So those are some thoughts on kind of hospitality in a more radical sense. Um, but the next thing I kind of like to talk through is how we can in a culture that, you know, really emphasizes entertaining more than true hospitality, how we can combine the two in a way that makes entertaining hospitable, you know, if that makes sense. Like, how can we, how can we entertain? How can we have people over um, in a way that is hospitable? Yeah, good. And I think the first thing is just focusing, we've already talked about it, but focusing on being welcoming, you know, whatever, thing you're hosting, whoever you're entertaining, keeping them in mind in regards to how they will feel welcome. Um, you know, I think in the preparation then, as well as the time that they are in your home, the experience for you and them will be completely different than if you're focused on yourself. Like we said, you know, if, if you're thinking about, will they like my home? Is my house clean enough? Is the meal <laughs> fancy enough? You know, are my kids being well behaved, you know, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, like most people will not remember the food or the meal or the decor, um, <laughs> as much as the invitation. I mean, that's what I was saying about the, the invitation to go sailing and have dinner. I mean, I have no idea what she made us for dinner that night. Yeah. I, I don't remember much about their home. I just remember feeling loved on. I just remember their willingness to listen and enter in, enter in and, I just, I remember the conversation. I remember their intensity as they listened and uh, just wanted to be there for us. Yeah, I, uh, that makes me think of a quote by Ty Bennett who came to the bank and spoke a number of years ago. One of his rules about um, making feel people feel comfortable in conversation is that you have to ask them two questions before you can say anything about yourself. And you can say me too, or tell your story, or mm. tell how you uh, you know connect. Um, the two uh, questions rule is a very interesting one. We wanna relate to people, we wanna have conversations with them, and when they say something like, oh hey, my dad did this, and you immediately wanna say like, well let me tell you about my dad, and about <laughs> these things, and about that. But you have to stop right there and say, tell me what else about this story 
tell me what else about mm-hmm. your dad. Tell me what else you're thinking on this. And you have to ask two questions like that open-ended mm-hmm. before you can say me too. Mm-hmm. And before you can jump in. And I think um, in order to be hospitable and people to think more about, um, you know, how they connected, how they were welcomed versus what the house looks like um, is if is if you are not the one talking the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a great way to keep yourself from talking the whole time is the two questions rule. Make sure you ask two open ended questions first before you uh, share mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, and I think, you know, the intentionality of of conversation is has been key for us. I mean, we typically have either questions we're planning about uh, on talking about over dinner or a topic or sometimes as we're heading somewhere, you and I will even kind of just brainstorm. What are a couple yeah. things we want to ask them about? So, I think there is um it's it's really beneficial to be intentional about uh the conversation part of an evening when you want it to be hospitable. Yeah. And I, I think you've, you've been really good about that too. It's a very simple Google search, uh, conversation starters for dinner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Don't overthink this and look for ones that, you know, resonate and be intentional about the conversation, um, that's happening around the table. And, Sometimes when people come over, you'll only hear from one or two of them Mm -hmm. and having a question that you're comfortable with asking and going around the table is a great way to hear from everybody and to make sure everybody's feeling welcomed and in that uh, place. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk through a few more things that I think are helpful, um, as we, you know, plan to open up our home, um, you know, I think it's worth saying, too, that there will be times, especially when somebody is in crisis, that you won't really have time to plan. I mean, we've had people hmm. over immediately after getting hard news or having something tough happen. And in those cases, it's just about saying, come over and yeah. just opening your home and yourself to whatever mess there is. And those situations are almost completely about the conversation. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and, you know, maybe a hot cup of tea, maybe a cozy blanket on the couch, but... These are just super important moments of hospitality and they will happen, you know, more spontaneously, which side note, I mean, that's why it's key to not have your life too busy and your schedule too busy because you will miss out on these opportunities um, to spontaneously show hospitality to people who are having uh, right in the middle of something hard. So I think it's important to, if you want to be intentional about hospitality, to keep some margin in your schedule. Yeah to be open for these kind of crisis situations as well. But for this part of our discussion, I just kind of wanted to talk about how to plan to have people over and what that might look like. Um, When I was a MOPS mentor, a lot of the younger moms didn't know where to start with this when we would talk about hospitality, when we would talk about having people over. So I kind of had them in mind um, as I was thinking through some ideas. These were things that I encouraged them on and kind of coached them through, and I thought they would um, be helpful to share today. So you jump in. Um, if you think of things too, let's just kind of rattle through some things. I think the first thing I wanted to say is uh, that striving for perfection will not only <laughs> steal your joy, uh, but it will uh, probably cause you to stop having people over altogether. But when they do come, I mean, your guests will pick up on your stress and it will not be welcoming. It will not be fun. It will not be a, a safe place for them. Um you've watched my journey with this. I feel like I've come a long way (laughs) uh, in hosting. I used to prioritize things that did not matter. I remember feeling like every window needed to be clean or every floorboard needed to be wiped down. 
And it just, it stole my joy. It made me stressed out. It made me stressed out about hosting. It made me stressed out to you and to the kids. And then I didn't even enjoy the people once they were at our house because I was either exhausted from all that I had done to try to make my home seem perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Or while they were there, instead of listening and just being all about them, I was still noticing all of the imperfections and things that I didn't get to. And I just was distracted and not engaged with our guests and, you know, ultimately just was focused on myself and um, how I thought our home or our children were making us look, which definitely stole our joy during that time, that season. I think something else practically on having people over is um, kind of the 10 minute rule. Um, Before they come over, just make sure that um, you're not rushing to get every final thing done in the last 30 seconds Mm -hmm. before the doorbell Mm -hmm. rings. (laughs) I think practically for me, what that's meant is um, I do love to get things um, checked off a list. I love when the task list is complete and if I can just get one more thing done on a Saturday, take a two minute shower and then I'll, you know, be out maybe by the time the doorbell rings or maybe after people come like that's not going to set the evening up for success. And so the 10 minute rule is just make sure that you have everything done. You can exhale um, and you're completed um, well in advance of people um, coming over. You need a chance to exhale. You need a chance to uh, connect as a couple. You need a chance to just go into this um, in an unhurried pace instead of frantically stashing stuff in cupboards, making sure that one more pile is cleaned up and, mm-hmm. um, you can put yourself in the way of, um, that if you're not rushing at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's rule. been, hel- <laughs> yeah. And I think it's been helpful for us to think backwards from that 10 minute yeah. rule. You know, let's think backwards. If we want to be ready for our guests at this time what do we you know let's think backwards um so that it isn't a mad rush at the end because i think everybody knows what it feels like to get to somebody's house and they're not even there to answer the door i mean it's you already are starting off in such an awkward space of not feeling welcomed so if you can have just 10 minutes to kind of get your bearings get ready um with your you know to welcome them um it sets everything off just in the right place that's good um, so done is better than perfect, as we've been that. saying, Love you it. know, all throughout know. the podcast. Um, secondly, I think, you know, with with all of that in mind, it is helpful and good to be intentional about the who and the why and the what. That's one thing that mm. I was thinking about with the podcast of just being intentional about who you want to have over and why you want to have them over. I mean, did you, our new neighbors, you know, just moving in down the street, you want to have them over to welcome them to the neighborhood? Or did you meet a mom at the park and you want to get to know her better or... Maybe there is a family that you know is going through the ringer right now, and so you want to invite them over to bless and encourage them. Maybe you just have a free weekend. That's your why. You know, you just you have a free weekend, so you think it'd be fun to have some people over to play games or something. So I think when you're intentional about the who and the why, everything else kind of falls into place. And for me, I have an actual list on my phone of people that we want to have over, and I think that's super helpful. Um, And then I think once you know the who and the why, you can kind of decide the what. I mean, do you want it to be dinner? Do you want it to just be drinks and appetizers? Do you want it to just be dessert? You know, there is something really special about gathering around food. I think it's important to prioritize sitting around a table, uh, 
with with others in a home. So I definitely think including food is a great way to make people feel welcomed and cared for, but it isn't the only thing, you know, there are other ways to be hospitable. You could have a game night in your backyard. Um, you could even organize a play date at the park in a very hospitable way. So I think um, kind of thinking through the intentionality of it will will help you to um, be able to plan out the evening a little better. Yeah, I think there is something magical when there is food involved. Yeah. Um, our friends in Africa taught us the Kenyan proverb that says friendship is through the stomach. And I love that quote <laughs> um, because there is something that happens when we break bread together. We're around the table together. We're forced when our mouths are moving then to um, or when they're eating because they're you know moving to listen to whose mouth is not eating and to take take turns and um being able to share bread around the table together is a pretty special thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I've always loved that proverb of uh, friendship is through the stomach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think another thing that's helpful for me is to think about hospitality um, holistically. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, the sights, the smells, the feels, the sounds, the tastes, all of it together. I mean, I am somebody who really values ambiance. I think that's really important. It doesn't have to be expensive, just kind of thoughtful. So just being thoughtful um, in regards to how your home smells and how it sounds, you know, a fun playlist or um, like you said, the tastes, you know, gathering around food. So I think um, thinking holistically about uh, when you're going to have people over uh, just it puts a lot of thought and intention into it in a way that makes them feel pretty special and um, a lot of times they won't even know all of the stuff yeah. that you did behind the scenes but it just sets the tone yeah we are body and soul um, you're not just having people over to talk mm -hmm. <laughs> right and you're not just having people over just to make sure that they get enough calories mm -hmm. um, we are whole people and um, it's a full contact sport um, body, mind, soul, spirit to really connect with others over food, over conversation, over all the little things that you do to make it really special and uh, welcoming. Um, I just finished um, the Oppenheimer book, American Prometheus, um, just to kind of go through the history of what it was like in the 1940s when a bunch of scientists uh, got together in Los Alamos and... Um, created a town out of nothing really quickly. Um, and how does that work with community, with people that you don't know? What does hospitality look like there? There's a really interesting quote that uh, came out of this. One of the um, friends and colleagues of Oppenheimer, his name is Phil Morrison. And they wrote a lot of letters back then, back and forth. And so a lot of the book is based on letters, which is great. And so in, in late 1945, um, he wrote someone that was hospitable to them. Her name was Miss Warner, um, who lived outside of Los Alamos. Um, and he, he writes this long letter of thanks for their many evenings in her company. So this is what the quote says. Um, Not the smallest part of the life we came to lead, Miss Warner, was you. Hmm. Evenings in your place by the river by the table so neatly set, before the fireplaces so carefully contrived, gave us a little of your assurance, allowed us to belong, took us from the green temporary houses and the bulldozed roads, 
we shall not forget. And so mm-hmm. I, I love a lot about that, mm-hmm. that quote, but it, it hits on exactly what you just said, mm-hmm. which is we are whole beings in body and soul and we're, we're coming for the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the candles and the lighting and the tables, um, that's not throwaway work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I love in this letter, they're highlighting the place by the river and the table and the fireplaces um, and the great conversation that they would have time and time again mm-hmm. at this lady's house. I love that uh, too. It's just a, it's just a beautiful picture that um, pops out of a very unlikely book. Yeah, for sure. No, that's beautiful. And it does fit with the, the idea of hospitality being a holistic yeah. Uh, event. Yeah. Well, let's rattle off a number of things that can make uh, having people over a little easier. Um, you know, if you like, I, I'm thinking meals, you know, I think speaking of food and, oh, yeah. you know, is what are some ideas? Like, I, I think it's, it's good to remember it doesn't have to be a new fancy recipe. I mean, it can be pizza, <laughs> right? Yeah, it can be right. pizza. Um, it could, you don't have to do it all yourself. I think that that's, um, another thing that I've learned is that people do want to help. They do yeah. want to bring something. So when somebody offers say yes, and if they don't offer, maybe even suggest it like, Hey, would you want to bring the salad or whatever? Yeah. Um, I, I think we've joked about it for years, but soup is a very easy meal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very soup easy and meal. Bread, that's enough. Soup and bread and they can bring salad. Uh, it doesn't have to be fancy. It needs to be warm. It needs to be ready to roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But soup, soup, soup's really easy. I agree. And I think, you know, it's also nice to kind of have a signature meal. I think a lot of times when we have people mm, over, yeah. we do tacos. Yeah. And so I think it's it's fun that people are like, oh, we're going to the Blix. I wonder if they're going to have a taco bar. I mean, I think that that's great. You don't have to come up with a new menu every time people come over. Um, I think there's nothing wrong as well with a pre-made something from the freezer section, you know, pre-made lasagna or something and just a bag salad and garlic bread and then your meal is done. So I think we can, can overthink it. And it's all about just actually gathering people around the table. Um, it is fun to have something like a signature drink too. Like, I don't think you have to buy all the drink options, you know, I think, um, you know, just doing one fun cocktail or mocktail or, even, you know, a lot of times when my family gets together, we all just bring our own drinks, you know, and just kind of everybody <laughs> yeah. bring what you want to drink. And that's another way to make it easy as well, because then honestly, everybody's happier just having exactly what they wanted to drink. One of the things I like about Taco Bar is that I think it does help people feel known and they can each get kind of their own likings. Um, sometimes if you have food allergies or things that certain people can't eat that's an easy way to have a lot of things out on the counter for them to self-serve mm-hmm. um, and to find something that really does taste taste good for them i agree that's kind of why i've gravitated yeah. towards charcuterie as well because yeah. you can kind of just put a bunch of stuff out you can make it ahead of time and then people can choose what they want that's and right. that's been an easy way to um, gather people as well I, I think it's also important when people gather. One of the other things that makes it really easy is for the uh, men, make sure you go last and you don't eat too much. And if you want to eat more later, it's fine. Uh, sometime- That's an inside joke, everybody. That is an inside joke. We'll get into that another time. Um <laughs> No, it's that that's just an inside joke because sometimes I panic that we're not going to have enough food. So he'll get a little uh, nudge saying, um, don't don't 
you know, eat too much on your first round. Let's make sure there's That's enough right. or sometimes like make sure you go last. That's which right. He usually does. My go uh, last goal anyway. uh, is to be hospitable. <laughs> my goal is to not leave <laughs> the night full. Yeah. If I happen to be still hungry or if the food is gone, um, it doesn't have to be because I got thirds before everyone else got first. Right, right. I want to take a quick break here to share about a new partnership I have started with BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest online therapy provider with over 30,000 licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited psychologists, therapists, and counselors. I have loved working under the sponsorship of Faithful Counseling these last few years, so I am really excited to now be welcomed into a special new partnership with its parent company, BetterHelp, especially because they will also provide you the opportunity to choose a Christian counselor, a licensed therapist who will provide faith-based counseling. So when you visit my new link, betterhelp.com slash fightingforjoy, you will begin filling out a preferences questionnaire, and one of the questions will be, would you like to be matched with a therapist who provides Christian-based therapy? I'm so grateful to still offer you this option with BetterHelp. Now, as a side note, if you go to my old Faithful Counseling link, it will still work for a while. It will just redirect you to the BetterHelp platform, so don't be surprised about that. And yes, I am still able to offer you a 10% discount code with BetterHelp as my sponsor. In the last couple of years, four out of 10 Americans have begun using online counseling services to meet with their therapist, often due to the convenience, accessibility, and affordability of this option. Counseling sessions can be accessed from home or anywhere with an internet connection. For those who have difficulty getting to an appointment with a psychotherapist due to a remote location or the inconvenience or income insecurity or even a disability or just feeling more comfortable in their own home, the BetterHelp online services can allow this accessibility that just isn't found elsewhere. As I continue to reflect on my own grief journey, I can't help but reflect on how helpful solid Christian counseling has been for me. If you think that counseling would be helpful to your fight for joy, visit my new link at betterhelp.com slash fighting for joy today. Be sure to add that slash fighting for joy at the end for your listener discount to take effect. I've said it many times before, and I will continue to say it. Quality Christian counseling is a worthy investment in your fight for joy. And just kind of back to the whole idea of not having to do everything yourself too. Like it's okay to leave a few things um, for your guests to do when they get there. If you want to save them, you know, to fill the water glasses or put the silverware out, or maybe you have everything kind of ready in the refrigerator, you just need somebody to pull it out. So I think sometimes people like having a way to get involved um, and then you aren't doing it all yourself before they get there. We also have our good friends, Jay and Jody, who we have the little you cook, we clean plan where we don't you know we aren't ever expecting either one to do all of the hosting and all of the cooking we just you know if one of us is providing the home the other one brings the meal that works out great yeah um i just think too preparation is is so key i think there are so many things you can do ahead of time um you know that really allows you to be more focused on your guests when they are there and that is usually what i look for in in food plans and recipes and, you know, just kind of a menu is just what can I, what is something that I can do a lot of the work uh, ahead of time so that when the people come, so that when our guests are here, I am really focused on them. Yeah, that's good. Um, I also wanted to talk quickly about um, expectations too. I think that 
Just in so many areas of life, expectations can steal our joy if they are not realistic. So I think it's good um, as the host to have um, realistic expectations. I remember getting really frustrated if guests were late because I had worked so hard to have everything perfectly (laughs) like timed out and for the food to be ready at whatever time I told them. And then if they were late, like I was stressed about how the food was going to be cold or overcooked or whatever. Um, And so I've really worked on that, like just my expectations of, you know, life happens and people aren't always going to be here right when I asked them to be here. So now we do a lot of meals with flexibility. You know, I'll do a crock pot thing or we won't even put the meat on the grill until they get here or obviously like the taco bar that we keep talking about. I mean, that's already already. It could sit there in the pan for an hour and be fine, you know, while people are getting here and getting situated. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think, too, it's nice to give your guests um, some clear expectations, too. Um, we have a funny story with some neighbors when we were newlyweds who invited <laughs> us over for dinner. They were our next door neighbors. We lived in Michigan and they asked us to come for dinner at six. We were both working full time. Um, we didn't have uh, any kiddos yet. And so we got off work. We were starving. We went over there at six and <laughs> walked in and she had not even started making dinner. She hadn't done anything They just wanted to sit and have wine for an hour and a half. And we, funny little side note, we had to hear the whole story of how they made this wine in their bathtub. It was awesome. (laughs) It was awesome. They had just made it in their bathtub. So that was interesting. But um, yeah, for the first hour and a half, they just wanted to sit and enjoy conversation and wine, which is totally fine. But we did not plan for that and probably had lunch at 11 (laughs) and again, had been working full time and were tired and probably thought, oh my word, like how long is this night going to go? So Anyway, it would have been really nice if they would have just said, you know, come on over at six and we probably won't eat until about 730 or eight. Um, But we would love to just spend a little time visiting ahead of time. And that would have been really easy for us to each just have a quick little granola bar, some fruit, something before we headed over there. And then also I would have enjoyed the conversation more because I would have known what was (laughs) happening. Instead, I was like, wait, she is making dinner, right? Like at some point (laughs) she's going to get up and make dinner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was all from a good uh, place. They really, this was their first time having us over and they literally just wanted to hear our story from start to end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can remember sitting there and Bob just staring at me and listening to, <laughs> I grew up in California and then Bob's like, how'd you get to Wheaton College? And I mean, uh-huh. yeah. just, I mean, they just wanted to know our story and mm-hmm. it was awesome. But I think you're right. A good heads up, like, Hey, you know, we're we're probably not going to eat for the first hour, hour and a half, and right, <laughs> uh, probably would have been a little bit easier for us. Yeah, and that kind of <laughs> makes me think of you know just some of the things that maybe make us hesitant to host. And you know, I thought it might be helpful to share a few things that maybe would hinder people from yeah. wanting to have people over. Um, and it, that makes me think of that because for me as an introvert, you know, and a, as you know, a couple for both of us with full weeks and schedules. And we spend a lot of time with people regularly. Um, I can kind of get a little stressed out about how long people will stay. And I know that might sound like a funny thing to some of you listening, but for me and for us, sometimes it's a real thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of times I just feel like gatherings should be short and sweet. Um, that kind of helps me to alleviate burnout. Um but what we've had to do is just kind of set our expectations and also help um 
others coming into our home, what our expectations are too. And that makes us want to continue to host and want to continue to open up our home. I think if I wasn't able to communicate some of those expectations or even boundaries, whatever you want to call them, I think I wouldn't host as much, but we've gotten really comfortable, um, with a couple different things. The first one is for our really close friends. Uh, we have kind of a code, but I mean, everybody knows what it is, but we just slap our legs and we say, well, this has been fun. <laughs> and that's kind of their sign that, okay, Eric and Jody are done. And, you know, and it's just kind of a funny way to, to end the evening. But for people that we don't know very well, um, you know, I've kind of learned to set a time and just kind of set the expectations when we do the inviting, you know, like saying something like, we'd love to have you come for dinner on Friday night. But, you know, Friday night's just FYI, we usually kind of run out of steam on the earlier end. So we'll probably be kicking you out by nine or 10, you know, just kind of giving them that expectation to um, trying to keep it lighthearted, but, but clear. That has been one thing that has kind of helped me. I think um, the way that I'm wired um, and especially in grief and just our um, lack of, of social energy, sometimes it's, that would be a huge hindrance to me if I, if I didn't have a plan Yeah. with that. Yeah, I think there's lots of visual cues um, and there's lots of just part of making people feel welcome is uh, directed, right, mm -hmm. um, to know what's next. And I think you've been really good about that, too, of just um, being able to say, um, yeah, uh, it's a very mid Midwestern phrase to say whelp. Well. Uh, I love that. <laughs> and um, the, the other ways to say it are just, you know, we we've really enjoyed our time together tonight. I can't believe all you guys shared. This has been really fun. Thanks a lot for coming over. Mm -hmm. Stand up, yeah. <laughs> go find their coats and kick them out the door. Right. It'll, and then that's it'll work still fine. being hospitable. It's still being <laughs> it hospitable. is. It totally is. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, I think, I think it is important as you're thinking about hosting and having people over, like make a list, make a list of some things that might hinder you. Um, from wanting to have people over. I think another hindrance could be just not knowing where for sure you're going to entertain. You know, maybe you don't have a dining room or maybe you don't have much much space at all to have people. And so it can feel a little intimidating. And I think, you know, there are options for that. You could put the charcuterie tray right on the coffee table and just sit in the living room or yep. on couches or on the floor, you know. And we have neighbors down the street who they just pull chairs out on their driveway. And um, that's just kind of the sign that people can pull a chair up to and sit and have a drink with them and enjoy together uh, time together outside. That's a very hospitable way to welcome people into your um, home. And it's just out on your driveway. Yeah. It's such a great way to, yeah, well um, to have people over. I think another hindrance can be you're just not wanting to plan too far out. Um, you know, I know for us in grief that that was a real mm, thing. Yeah. We didn't know how we would be feeling at any given time. So to plan something two or three weeks out, I just thought, how in the world am I going to know if I want to have people over then, <laughs> you know, and then when our teenagers, you know, we never knew what they would be up to. Um, so I think, um, you know, it's okay to be spontaneous. It's okay to say, I know we planned for this night. Let's, let's take a rain check. I mean, there's just a lot of, you don't have to, um, feel so restricted on planning out so far. I think another hindrance, unless you have any other ones, I'll just wrap it up with this one, but, um, is cost. You know, I think people can, mm. can be hung up on that. Like we are really strapped right now anyway for groceries. I can't imagine having a, other people over, um, 
And I think that just, it just takes some creative planning and just some thoughtfulness and just thinking of ways to show hospitality without breaking the bank. I mean, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I think there are beautiful ways to entertain by just having people over for coffee. I've even had people invite me over for coffee and say, hey, would you want to stop over to Starbucks and pick up your own coffee on your way? Yeah. (laughs) You know, because they're not coffee drinkers or whatever. Um, And so we don't always have to feel like everything has to be over the top. I think Instagram makes us feel that way. But um, you know, it's just the feeling of being invited and welcomed that will last with people, not necessarily how much money you spent on them. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a great point. And, um, I always love to compare it to what it would have cost if we would have treated them out to a restaurant in town or mm-hmm. uh, somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get so much more food and feed the whole group for what it takes to feed just about me when, <laughs> when we're out. Um, we, you know, and, uh, there are, there are creative ways to make your money go far at the grocery store and to not break the bank, like you said, and to just provide good hospitable Mm -hmm. food. And if you compare it to taking, um, eight people out, um, to a nice steakhouse or something, right. It's, it's a fraction of the cost. Um, and yeah. And it's really more about having people in your home, in your life, um, and and you know being there. Uh, it's not about trying to set some kind of record on uh, food and taste and quality. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, any other practical considerations you can think of? Um, one thing, one thing I thought of is you know don't apologize. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think that that, that brings attention. Good. You know, don't say sorry. I didn't have time to dust. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right or like yeah right sorry i know there's dog hair everywhere like i think that's just going to kind of point people to the things that you're not wanting them to have attention to so i, <laughs> I, I wouldn't apologize um i think it's good to think about who you're having over if you're having multiple um groupings or families it's always nice to be thoughtful in pairing those in such a way that you think that they might gel together um we've tried to yeah. do that yeah i um, think that's been a fun way to introduce our friends to other of our friends mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, at the wedding we were just at, uh, Casey Carnes did that to me. He's been mm-hmm. friends with a lot of different people and, um, you know, he's introducing his friends to his friends. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in a hospitable fashion, um, that was certainly done over the wedding and that was great. Um, but that can also be done at your house. Um, yeah. and that can be done kind of linking up, um, groups of friends, like you yeah. said, that could uh, gel and introduce to mm-hmm. uh, you know one another. Yeah, I think connecting people with each other is definitely a version of hospitality. Yeah, um, I think it's also fun to involve your kids. I think a lot of times we mm. can feel like um, kids make things messy, and they do. But we have a lot of really fun memories where we involved our kids in hospitality <laughs> yeah, and kind of prepared them with things that maybe they could share or ask. Um, I remember when we had some little fun rules. They weren't hard and fast rules, but little fun rules about um, they needed to ask somebody a question. Um, We had times where the kids served um, parts of the meal or helped clean up after we were done eating. Um, Definitely did a lot of game playing so that um, the kids would be involved in that. So I think think involving your kids will make it a lot of fun um, as a family as well instead of feeling like they all need to be 
in the basement, you know, entertaining themselves or yeah. put them to bed and then you can have people over. That's definitely good for deeper, harder conversations. But I think there is a real way to be hospitable as an entire family unit, yeah. teaching and training them and setting that as an example for them. Yeah, that's good. Um, let's see. Anything else? I think uh, I think that's about it on all the practical things. I think one other thing that can be helpful too as you kind of entertain and have people over it is good to kind of follow up and reflect kind of hover over Mm, what just happened and um, talk to your spouse or journal about it and make some notes so that maybe next time you could do a couple things differently we've done that with different things we've hosted where we've just kind of said okay this went well this didn't go well what could I do differently Um, I think that some reflection and um, and processing after, um, having people in is, is a helpful thing too, but it's definitely a journey. I mean, I think that, you know, I've been cooking and, and hosting and doing things now along these lines for almost 30 years. And I've learned a lot. I've learned by mistakes. Um, I still am not perfect. Um, it's been a messy journey for you and I at times, but it's also been such a beautiful journey of um, making sure that our our door is open to the hurting um, primarily, but also to just um, building relationships and making people feel like they can come and be loved on and cared on. Yeah, I think one other practical thing that made me think of that on that point is it's, it's just, it's important to use people's names. It's important to call them by name. It's important to know their kids' names. It's important to know the names in their life that matter to them. Um, lots of people do this well. I know my uh, son-in-law does this extremely well. He knows everybody's names. Mm-hmm. Um, and if and if you listen, you know he he will call people by name, and even in your home to be called by name in that place. Um, you know you you have a name. We've been called. Um, by God, by a, by a name and, um, to, to be able to not just be theoretical and abstract in our, you know, conversation, but, uh, dialogue and actually using names. Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's important to remember that, um, that we are made for community and, um, that showing hospitality and, um, accepting the hospitality of others are both ways for us to feel more connected in community and in friendship. And I think if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling like you're lacking um, community, um, be the one to invite. Don't wait to be invited. Um, Do the inviting. Um, And I think that, you know, it reminds me of the Philippians 2 passage of just counting others as more important and significant than yourselves. I think we all are busy. We all have a lot going on. But if we're only focused on our own schedules, our own interests, um, our own kids, um, the own, our own schedules, we are, we're missing out on these pretty special opportunities um, to be the hands and feet of, of Christ. And so, you know, as it, as it encourages us in that passage, it says, look not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. Um, and this will be, this will be key as you put aside your comfort and maybe even your plans and maybe even some of your money, you know, spending money on others instead of yourself in order to welcome them in. Yeah, I love that passage too. And I think after Paul's writing that of what you, you just said, he said, uh, you know, let me think of who the, who the person par excellence is, right? That we've seen do this, that we've seen mm-hmm. 
be hus- be hospitable. And he goes right into verse five. Um, this attitude that I'm calling you to is the attitude that Jesus Christ had. Um, even though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant. Um, he humbled himself, it goes on to say, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so here, here is Christ getting way past himself um, and thinking of others and others' interests. And, you know, as, as we experience that and as we see that, that that's what he did for me, um, you know, that, that hospitable attitude and actions that he did for me, uh, you know, may that melt our hearts for how good that mm-hmm. felt that we want to do that for others that we want to overflow. And God, you did that. You did that for me. I know what hospitality is. I know what it means to be accepted. I know what it means to be in this place and to be here and to have a relationship with you. And um, God, help me to overflow and love others well, because you have unbelievably blown my mind. Mm. And um, and I think that's that's some of the fuel that we have to be able to be hospitable to others, because you know, as as Christians, we we know what it's like to be content and to be welcomed in mm-hmm. this place by our Maker because of the blood of Christ. Yeah. And we want to share that with others. Yeah. We can't help it. Yeah. We can't help it. Well, this has been good. If you Do you have anything else, Eric, for now? Those are no? my bullet okay. points on my those list. Are, and then a couple extras. Those are good. Well, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to end with a quote that fits perfectly with what you just shared. Um, and it was posted on um, our friend Bailey, um, Bailey Kate, now Bailey Plake, um, on her Instagram. Um, and I just thought it would be a beautiful way to end. Uh, especially after you just followed yeah. up here on uh, Philippians 2.5. Um, but she said, Inspired by Jesus Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we have the opportunity to turn our homes into places of hospitality and ourselves into nurturing for others. At its best, eating is sharing and welcoming movement that makes room for others. Insofar as people learn to live in hospitable ways with each other and within their places, they participate in the eternal hospitable ways of God that create that daily create, sustain, and fulfill life. And she took that from, uh, it says, from food and faith. Um, but I just thought that was such a beautiful, beautiful way to bring this all to an end that, um, that insofar as people learn to live in hospitable ways with each other and within their places, they participate in the eternal hospitable ways of God. Amen. Well said. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.